0: hi this is neptune and on this episode called the grief chapter i will be talking about grief and a lot of other things that just you know come into my mind and um, I tried to record this episode once before and it, my my computer just kind of went to the screensaver mode and I thought everything would just get recorded but it sadly did not so yeah, um, it was a very very fruitful conversation that I had but hey, it's okay, It's every conversation is good um, I'm talking about grief because today I feel so full of it and I did not ever experience leave before 2021 in the depth that I did in 2021. Um, in October I lost a very important uh, friendship and then 2-3 days later I also lost another relation. Um, and you know, all the, the the loss of and I was mourning and I did not know what I was mourning because nobody had passed away. And I was mourning something and then is when it struck me that grief can be of so much. So many lives and, and I think I'm still grieving both the loss of both relationships. Um and yeah, and today I felt it again. I felt this Burning fire in my stomach, and I knew it was grief again. And it gets hard to just wake up, it gets hard to move around. And I'm not exaggerating it. Um, I did not know what to do today because I was, I believed that I would lose another friend today, and it hurt me so much because it just hurt. And I don't know where it hurt, but it hurt inside. And that's the weird thing, right? You can't put a balm to it. There is no paracetamol for emotional hurt, which sucks. There should be one. Um, but yeah, I just I was a mess, and I was like, ah oh, shit. Here it go. Here we go again. You know, Mama Mia. Here we go again. Mama, i don't Beautiful band, beautiful band, love them. Um, well, yeah, so, like I was saying in the other episode that I recorded, it feels like grief is not the mere overflowing and overwhelming of any emotional cup that you hold, but is the very increasing of the pressure with which the water is filling you and it just kind of like unearths the sand bed that's beneath the water and it just kind of makes your entire uh, emotional psyche tumble and everything just goes haywire and the thing with grief is that it with me at least takes a very long time to settle down. And I really don't know if I will ever get out of this. Sometimes I feel like I'm too young to experience this, that my God somehow gave me the wrong fate, gave me the wrong destiny to live. Um, And hey friend who I thought I'd lost today, but I haven't lost and we're gonna have a conversation three days later. If you're listening to this, Please know that I love you and that I will do absolutely anything to save this friendship and that I will apologize for any kind of behavior that has hurt you. And I'm very, very, very sorry for anything I've done that I'm not aware of yet, but you will make me aware of and I will work on it. Please don't leave me. I love you. Um, I had to put that in. I typed that out and I, I just couldn't send it to her some part of me maybe it's ego or maybe it's self-respect maybe it's the opposite maybe it's pride which is like I, I don't even know what all these where all these words fit in at a deeper level language just stops making sense after a point some days it makes so much sense some days it doesn't like paul Celan said you know um in this essay that Ilya Kaminsky wrote um of paul season's work for paul season's work paul Celan, apparently broke language and did not break and it wasn't his mother tongue that he broke and i want to do that i want to break language not my mother tongue but this tongue that i am that i have learned to express myself more um, eloquently in um, i want to break it i want to make of language what people have made of me Scrambled and and just not the appetite someone would want to have for not something that someone would have want to have an appetite for. And I want to break language, and I want to put pieces together, and I want to make my, make up my own rag doll of language, that that confuses everyone, and it's it's just this cryptic code that I've written, and it really means nothing to them. It means something to me. It will mean something to someone like me. And if that isn't enough, I don't know what is, you know. Um, and yeah, I I feel like Alice Notley in um, in the Pines did something similar where she's just it, it's a beautiful book but it's all I don't know if it, I can call it a book I don't know if I can call it anything that can any kind of conventional form of writing is called because it's not a conventional form of writing or maybe it is a conventional form of writing in the circles that she and the kind of writing she is in the and maybe it has a name um a friend told me recently I write purple something, purple prose and I write similar to purple prose but I don't exactly write purple prose anyway that's um I've been like uh, I've been yeah I'm going off topic but what Alice noted did was she wrote a lot of she just wrote and wrote and it's very absurdist but it's it's absurdist in the way that it's frantic it's jumping from the line before the line ends she starts off an idea and she cuts it right there and brings back this very um this very central theme which is just no one the idea of no one is what she keeps highlighting she she brings up another idea and cuts herself and like brings up the idea of no one and in the beginning it can feel a little ordery, but it's beautiful prose it's it's prose poetry is what I'd call it but then again I'm no master of literature and I do not know what it is and do not go on my review or critique of this beautiful piece of art though I have no criticism it's beautiful but it's frantic in a way that Richard Siken is not so I read this essay that said every poet has a central um emotion that they uh, that they uh, give rise to in all of their readers and I do not feel like I feel like a lot of Alice Notley and Richard Siken's work is absurdist one I'd like to call frantic like that, that rhyme we used to study in preschool bits of paper bits of paper da 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 Something that I feel like that's Alice Monkley and Panic is Richard Siken and what what he does in I I especially love this piece he wrote um, called something about two people called it Jeff um, and it's a collection of eighteen to twenty poems in his book Crush and it's what I I ate that entire piece up. It was beautiful. It was. It was so good. It was so well done. And I feel like he does what exactly what Alice Moti doesn't. Uh, is is that even the correct pronunciation of her name? Does she use she her pronouns? I'll I'll just refer to both of them as they them now because I am not aware of what pronouns they both use. Um, so what Richard Siken does is they. Uh, actually drag that one idea that they've started with and then they come back to the central theme and then they make it very absurdist which is the entirety of both is what I'd call absurdist but Alice Notley is a little harder for me to read because it's so similar to how my brain uh, kind of deals and reels in its own way And yeah, I I don't know if too many people are going to be listening to this, but I. What if they do? What if what if this this one episode goes like gets famous? I really don't know what the obsession with getting famous is, but I have it, and I do not know why I have it. I want to be famous, and I do not know why, and and I do not know what for. And to be very honest, I'm going to be very sad if I become famous because there will be millions of people following me and I will be sad because I will not be able to see the world like they see it and they will only see it through my mundane eyes which is a tragedy because if I could give each of them a platform to show their world and if I could see it every day and I could live it I'd give anything to do that because I realized that different people see things so differently and it's just so wow you know it's it's beautiful how people see things differently and I mean this in the very depth of the world differently it's it's the, the contrasts are spectacular and I feel like you tend to recognize these contrasts contrast more when you start letting go of the dichotomy of life of there being right and wrong of more more or less all moral dichotomies that exist and all the boundaries that come with the um, re- religious doctrines that we've been fed um, I'm not saying don't follow them I'm just saying keep them apart distance them from yourself and coming back to grief man I feel like uh, when I'm grieving. There is, It's like you're this cup inside a cup. And then someone starts filling water in the first cup. And in the beginning, you're just in a cup with another cup. And it's okay. You're in a cup filled with water. And you are your own cup. And then you suddenly start drowning in the water filled in the first big cup. And that's what grief does to you. It's that drowning. It's that... And, and I don't think I can ever see myself come out of it and people are so strong I have so much respect for people because people just they, they get through grief and they get out of it and they look back at it years later and say oh okay that happened I acknowledge that part of myself and I leave it behind I don't think I can see myself doing any of that I do not think I can see myself go oh this happened and I'm leaving it behind, I feel like every time I I um, remember the departure, I remember the act of departure, I will somehow panic, I will freeze, which is what I did today, I froze when I, uh, when I catastrophized and I thought about how my friend was going to leave me, um, I froze, and there was so much mourning, but I did not know what I was mourning. And, yeah, and I don't think my mind has the facilities to comprehend departure. Maybe that's part of the human experience. Maybe it's not. I've already spoken of this. I don't think I can, I can say, I can, I can take temporality i don't think it's something my mind will ever be able to uh, comprehend which is probably why i talk about it so much which is probably why i go uh oh tempo everything is temporal Oh, time does not exist because i want to reinforce temporality in my head i feel like everything is so permanent in my head and and departure is not something i can comprehend how can i just how can i just you know be okay with someone just not talking to someone they used to talk to that's that's not something i'm okay with how can i cope with the idea of death how can i unexist someone in my head when they have existed it's it's so many questions and there are no answers out there and every time i look for a guru to answer these questions all they say is come back to yourself come back to your breath but i do not want to come back to my breath i want to come back to oh that's my ring that's falling i want to come back to other people's breaths i want to see you show me how breath goes out i don't think that goes out i mean what if what if we're immortal i do not believe that people go away and it's not a belief thing. I, I do not have the right to believe it because the concept of death is forced upon me. But I really want to believe that life isn't as temporal as it looks because what is the point of life? Otherwise, the the circle of life is permanent, right? So there has to be the, this, this parallel permanence in our, in, the existence of our life if that makes any sense yeah so that's me dealing in my thoughts and that's me just blabbering for 15 minutes straight 16 minutes now 16 is a beautiful number um this was the grief chapter signing off this is neptune stay safe read poetry i'll come back with a poetry episode really soon Bye bye